Well, for the past few weeks, uh, we've been doing a mini-series on discipleship and looking at ways in which God kind of works in our life to produce deeper spiritual maturity. A few weeks ago, I did a a teaching called uh, Into Deeper Waters, where we saw uh, Jesus calling Peter to come out into deeper waters. Rousseau followed that up last week, looking at the life of Peter and how his discipleship journey was a process full of mountains and valleys. And so today, um, I want to just continue... Uh, in, in this vein and continue looking at the process of discipleship. How is it that we are continually conformed and transformed into the image of Christ? And the reality is when it comes to discipleship, the discipleship journey begins at the moment of salvation. The moment you place your faith in the finished work of Jesus, the scripture says that you are given a new heart, that our heart of stone, which is hard towards the things of God is removed. And God actually gives us a brand new heart with new desires, whereby now we actually desire to do things that we previously didn't. However, this is just the beginning of the journey. The moment you place your faith in Jesus, you're given this new heart. This is just the beginning. And the reality is God doesn't just want to change our hearts. He doesn't just want to impart a new heart to us, but he actually wants to change our entire lives. He wants to change how we live and walk and move and breathe every moment of every day. And this is essentially what discipleship is. Discipleship is the process of continually being conformed and transformed transformed into the image of Christ. It's a day-by-day walk whereby we're walking in obedience to the things of God. And this is important to understand because if the gospel only affects our our understanding of who God is to bring us to a a point of faith where we say, I'm trusting in Jesus, if that's all that it's done in our lives, then this is not a full understanding of the gospel. It's an incomplete understanding of the gospel. The gospel is not a one-time thing I place my faith in. It's a continual daily trusting in the gospel, trusting in God. God's grace to continue to carry me through in my spiritual journey. And so today we're going to continue just this conversation on discipleship and uh, just look at some tools and some things the scriptures say for how we as disciples of Jesus can continue to grow in grace and continue to step further and further into the things that Jesus has for us. And so 1 Timothy chapter 4 This has been kind of a life passage for me, and so I wanted to share out of this primarily today. If you want to look down at verse 7 and 8, this will kind of be our main text for the morning. It says this. It says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value... Godliness is of value in every way as it holds the promise for the present life and also the life to come. So Paul here is encouraging Timothy who is now leading this this new church and Paul tells Timothy, hey Timothy, I don't want you to have anything to do with all these silly and irreverent myths. Rather, I want you to train yourself for godliness, to train in that. And the reality is it's a universal understanding that in order to become good or effective at anything, it requires training. It requires discipline, whether that be as a musician or an artist or if you're pursuing sports or to be great in your profession or public speaking, to become great in these things and to grow in these things, it requires continual training, continuing to work at your craft, continuing to hone those skills, continuing to not remain stagnant, but to move forward. And this is a universal understanding. We all know this to be true, to get good at anything. It actually takes worse. It actually takes work. It is a process and, a pro- and it takes progress in our lives. I remember this when I was in Bible college, actually, myself with a group of a bunch of other students, we decided 
decided to try and, I don't know why we did this, by the way, but we decided to try and like organize this relay whereby we would run around the entire island of Maui and that had never been done before. And so we're like, yeah, we're just gonna like try and be the first people ever to run around the entire island, 167 miles. And so we're like, okay, that's cool. So we're kind of charting it out and putting legs and I got assigned this 20 mile leg and like I was not a runner at all, but I was like, yeah, like I, I can totally do that, right? 20 miles, like no biggie. And so I remember like my section was like from like 4 a.m. approximately when the dude would get there and hand the baton to me and there was like a Jeep traveling following us. So I started off on this like 20 mile leg, literally having doing like no training at all. And they're like counting on me so that we can get around the entire island. And like mile two or three, like I feel like I'm dead, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have 17 miles to go. This is horrible. And so I somehow just keep pushing through and some sections I got to walk. I'm like, I'm not running up that hill. That's just stupid. Literally like two, two plus hours in, I'm like getting to the final mile or two. And I was like, yo, like I actually can't do this. I feel like I'm going to fall down and collapse and die. And the only way I made it to the end of my leg, they put a, a Krispy Kreme donut on the end of a fishing line hanging from the back of the Jeep. And I was like, I need that. And I was just freaking like running after it, trying to get the donut. And they're like, yeah, you finished it. And then I got the donut and it was really amazing. I literally slept like 24 hours after that. I got home and my body, like I couldn't even move. And my roommate's like, oh dude, have you ever tried Icy Hot? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh dude, we just got to coat you in that. So he coated my whole body in Icy Hot and I just fell asleep and passed out for like 24 hours. It was amazing. I don't know how I did that. Bad idea, BT dubs. If you're trying to run that far, bad idea to do that without any training. You're going to just like not be able to move for an entire week. And so we know this to be true, right? To be, to be good and persevere at anything in life, again, sports, athletics, music, whatever, it takes training. But the reality is, why is it that we don't ap apply this principle to our spiritual lives and to our spiritual growth? And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I want you to train towards godliness. Instead of wasting time on silly myths and godless legends, you are to be at work in the spiritual gymnasium. You are to train yourself for godliness. Now, this word train that Paul uses here in the Greek language, it's actually the Greek word gymnazo, and that's where we get the English word gymnasium. And this word train, it literally means in the, in the original language, it literally means to exercise naked vigorously. That's what this word means. So Paul is saying towards God, you are to train towards godliness, literally exercise naked vigorously. Now, the reason that this word got this definition is because this was actually a common practice in the Greco-Roman world. Athletes who were training for a marathon or for a competition, this is what they would do. They would strip off every bit of their clothes so that they could compete at their best level. I'll spare you the pics. We could throw some slides up, but I'll, I'll spare you those for this morning. But again, this was a common practice. This is what the Romans would do in their training. During athletic competitions, they would strip themselves completely of everything that hindered them so that they could perform at their best, so that they could perform at their peak. And just as in ancient athletics, they discarded every hindrance for their training, so too Paul applies that principle to Timothy and for followers of Jesus. And he says that we must strip ourselves of every habit and of every tendency that hinders us from the goal of godliness, of growing in grace, in pursuing Christ. There's things in our life that Paul says, you might have to strip off. You might have to leave behind. This is actually gonna take work. You're gonna actually have to train for this to continue to grow in the things of God. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, I like how the book of Hebrews 
says this in the second part of the verse. He says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Same type of, la- type of language where he says, hey, if there's any weight or sin in your life, you, you have to lay that aside so that you can run with endurance. If you're trying to run with all this weight on it, it it's gonna weigh you down. You're not gonna grow in your Christian discipleship. And the reality is, as I'm reflecting on these, these things and thinking about discipleship and growing and training in godliness, when I observe the current state of the Christian church, primarily in the West, um, I'm convinced more than ever that Paul's admonition to Timothy to train yourself towards godliness, that this is needed to be heard by the church more than ever. And I'm convinced that this is actually an invitation from the spirit for us, that this is something the spirit is calling us into, that God has for us. How much of our time and how much of our lives is invested in consuming irreverent and silly things that literally lead to no spiritual fruit in our lives? How often do we neglect the spiritual training that we've been called to participate in because of our addictions to comfort? because of our addictions to convenience, because of our addictions to entertainment and to self-fulfillment. How often do we start our day saying yes to the personal trainer of our iPhones or saying yes to the personal trainer of social media or yes to the personal trainer of news or yes to the personal trainer of the TV or of Netflix while our spiritual training falls by the wayside? This is a huge problem in American Christianity. There is no training for godliness. We're so consumed by all these other things that our spiritual training, which Paul says, this is what you have to do to grow. If you wanna grow and you wanna go deeper, it doesn't just happen casually. You actually have to train for us. And so I'm deeply really concerned when I look at the state of the church today with how many Christians have sacrificed or given up on their spiritual training. They've sacrificed on the altar of distractions. We've been so distracted and so consumed by all these silly things that Paul says, hey, lay those aside so that you can train for godliness, so that you can pursue the things that God has for you. And again, in Hebrews 12, he says, we, we have to lay aside all these weights, the things weighing us down and the sin in our lives. We have to weigh those down so that we can run the race with endurance that is set before us. And so the question that I have for you today, something I would just have you ponder, think about, pray about, and meditate on is, are you enduring in your spiritual race? Are you actively training yourself towards godliness? Or have you stopped running the race and allowed other things that are distractions to become priorities in your life? This is a challenge for myself as well, by the way. I'm not, I'm not up here speaking this from a place of saying, I'm so much better than you guys. I'm in this same boat. I find myself being distracted by all these silly things and being like, man, like I need to go deeper in my training. I need to pursue my relationship with Jesus and take that more seriously. And this is something I wanna just as a church have you really reflect on. Are, are you training in the things of righteousness? Are, are you continually and actively pursuing your spiritual race that God has before you? And as you're, as you're thinking about that, to ask another question, as Hebrews says, is there any weight in your life or any sin in your life that, that might need to be shed off? Is there anything that you know you say, man, my ultimate goal is I want to pursue Christ, but there's just these things that are weighing me down. And and notice too how the book of Hebrews says, lay aside every weight and sin. Those are two different things. 
For some people, maybe it is blatant sin in your life that you're just continuing to give into and that you've become comfortable with and that you're not actively fighting against by God's grace. For some people, maybe there is sin patterns and tendencies that you're saying, man, like I need help with that. I need to repent of that. I need to turn back to Christ. But for other people, maybe it is just weights. A weight is different than a sin. A weight is something that's just weighing you down that might not necessarily be a sin. Is it a sin to watch TV? No, I watch TV. Is it a sin to be on social media? No, it's not. Is it a sin to play video games? No, but we can do all these things and become so consumed by them that they're not necessarily sinful practices, but they become weights in our life where you're realizing, wow, like I want to pursue Christ, but my, my, my life is being consumed with all these other things that I'm realizing are weighing me down. And so again, just an encouragement to, to ask yourself and a question and the challenge, is there anything in your life that may, might even just be weighing you down that you're realizing, man, I've given too much priority to this. I'm spending too much times on these things. And I, and I haven't been training for godliness. I haven't been in the spiritual gym continuing to cultivate spiritual growth in my life by God's grace. Just something to pray through and, 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 and just open your heart and say, Lord, if there's anything in my life that you're wanting to cut out, maybe it's a weight, maybe it's a sin, things that are hindering me from the race that's before me, just give that over to the Lord this week in your, in, in your private prayer life. Just say, God, t- take this from me. If it's sin that needs to be confessed, do that. If it's just a weight, say, God, like, t- take this, carry this burden for me so that I can take your yoke and your burden, which is easy and light. So this is what Paul encourages Timothy. And he says, hey, Timothy, you gotta train yourself for godliness. Now, this word train as well, I wanted to really unpack it. Again, it's the Greek word gymnazo. It's where we get the word gymnasium. But this word train in the Greek language, it's also in what's called the present imperative, which means that this is actually a continual command. Training in godliness, which is what Paul is challenging Timothy in, is not a one-time thing. This is a continual command. It's not something you do just once. And again, they would have understood this in the Greco-Roman culture, their physical training. And same for you if you're training physically. It's something you do daily. It's something you continue to work at. It's goals that you continue to sit and move forward in. So spiritual training that leads towards godliness, Paul is saying, this is not a one-time thing. This is actually a lifelong commitment. And this is so important to understand because in the church here in the West, we've kind of made the pinnacle of spiritual training. Well, yeah, you said yes to Jesus. You received the gospel. You trusted in Christ. And, and that's it. The race is done. Good job. You've done it. Ticket stamped to heaven. You're good to go. And we, we, we've left out the fact that spiritual training is a continual process. So we've thought, okay, I got the ticket stamp. Now I don't have to do anything. That's not actually what the scriptures teach. It teaches that this is something we're to continue in, to persevere in over time. And so again, some people, they think that, well, I made the commitment. I made the decision. Maybe you say, well, I read my Bible this week once. I prayed once. I went to church on Sunday. Those are all really good things. But again, it doesn't stop there. Like if, if, if that's your, the end of the week, okay, great, went to church, great, read my Bible once, like that's good and healthy, but Paul is saying this is a continual thing. Spiritual training and discipleship, it, it's every single day saying, God, how, how can I grow today? How can I walk and abide in your grace today? How can I continue to train for godliness and pursue the things that you have for me? And so again, that's just an important little note there that this is a continual command. And this is important because for some of you guys, You may be looking back on your spiritual journey. Maybe you can remember the moment of conversion. Maybe you can remember the moment where you placed your faith in Christ. And maybe there was a season where you really were training. It's it's easy to have the emotional excitement when you're just understanding the gospel. You're like, man, this is so cool. And you're reading the Bible and you're praying and you're serving and you're going to church and you're being generous and all these things. But then over time, it can just kind of fall by the wayside. 
And, and, and without even knowing it, you can look back and be like, wow, like I've actually kind of fallen off the path. The race that's been set before me to run with endurance, I've kind of slowed down a little bit and I've given up on my spiritual training. And so again, just, just something I wanna challenge you in a, in a question to ask is, are, is this something you're continuing in? Is the race that God has placed before you, is your spiritual training, your discipleship, are, are you continuing in it? Or did you start running the race like in a sprint and now you have nothing left in your tank? Come, come back to your first love. Come back to the things that Christ has for you. Continue to persevere, to persevere in discipleship. Again, it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual process that we go through for our entire lives. Another thing I wanted to note, which I, I think this is just really, really important. Again, Paul says in verse seven, he says, train yourself for godliness. The, the emphasis here on yourself, I think is very, very important. Paul says, this is something, again, spiritual training, this is something that you actually have to do. This isn't something somebody else can do for you. He says, train yourself for godliness. Now again, having spiritual mentors and having pastors and trainers and coaches, this is all good at the end of the day. But, but really the reality is it is your personal responsibility just between you and God, your personal spiritual growth. He says, train yourself, your individual spiritual discipleship and, and your individual spiritual growth. It is primarily contingent upon you. It's not contingent upon somebody else. And this is so important to understand because in our day and age, we think, well, the way I'm gonna grow is I'm gonna go to church and listen to that guy as he gets up and teaches. Now that's, th this is good. Again, I, I hope you do. I hope you learn some things through this. But if your spiritual growth is dependent on what I feed you once a week on a Sunday morning, you are never gonna reach the level of Christian maturity that Christ has for you. If your spiritual training is, well, yeah, I listen to a couple of Christian podcasts throughout the week, some really good stuff. If it's dependent on getting fed by other people, again, you're missing out on the bulk of what Christ has for you. Not that those things are bad. Those things can be and should be supplemental, but ultimately spiritual training falls on you. He says, train yourself. This is something you need to invest in in your own life. Again, there, there's, there's no passivity in the way of spiritual transformation. If you wanna grow in your discipleship and cultivate a deeper understanding of the gospel, it doesn't happen just by waiting for somebody else to lead you down that road. You actually have to pursue it and you have to step into it. Godliness is not a result of just letting go and hoping that God like sprinkles some magical growth dust on you. It doesn't happen like that. It's actively training. That, that's the verb here. Training in godliness, putting in the work and growing. Because if we don't do that, if we're not actively saying, God, how do I train myself? Well, what, what, what is the work? What are the things that I need to put in so that I can continue to grow? If you're not actively doing that, the reality is you will just be drifting with the stream of culture. You, you, will, you will be passively, casually drifting with the stream of culture and the stream and tide of culture never leads towards godliness. It always pulls us away from the things of God. Biblical Christ-likeness and godliness and discipleship, it actually necessitates effort on our part. And I know, that, I know that that might sound legalistic, but this is what Paul says. He says, hey, train yourself. This is a hard message for us to understand in our church culture today. Because the idea of training yourself towards godliness, the reality is this idea has completely disappeared in our, in our current church culture. And the reason for it is because of the fear of becoming legalistic. 
There's churches who've said, man, we, we don't wanna be the legalistic church. We don't wanna be the religious church. And so let's just pr- preach all grace and that there's, there's nothing that you have to do whatsoever. It's just completely all grace. And people have not understood that it, it, it's not contradictory for grace to work that you actually are pursuing the means of grace that God's given you to grow. He said, this is a biblical idea. This is a part of the gospel that we are training ourselves towards godliness. Again, in our culture today, we've, we've become so afraid in the church of becoming legalistic that we've put all the focus on how our faith and salvation has nothing to do with works, which is absolutely true. But in overemphasizing that, that faith and salvation, it has nothing to do with your works. We've emphasized that so much in the West that we've left out the importance of how our works actually do play a role, not in our justification, where we're declared legally righteous before God, but in our sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which you're continuing to grow. What you do every day and your spiritual training actually affects your sanctification. And that has not been emphasized enough uh, in the church culture in the West. So again, to be absolutely clear, like crystal clear here, your works have absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. You, your, your faith in Christ, Christ saving you, that has 0% to do with like any good thing that you've ever did. The scripture is clear on that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, listen, listen to what Paul says here. He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So the scripture is clear. Salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone. He says it has nothing to do with your works. You are not saved because you were a good person. You did not come to Christ because look at how good you were and God decided to choose you. Our salvation for all of us begins like at an even playing field. We're, we're, we're all guilty. We're all in need of grace. And God is so good that he sends his son and gives us his free, beautiful gift of salvation. So to be clear, our salvation has absolutely nothing to do with our works, but to be equally clear, and this is what has not been emphasized enough in the church, to be equally clear, your growth and your maturity as a follower of Jesus in the discipleship process, it has everything to do with you walking in obedience to the spirit and training your heart and mind daily in the things of God. It has everything to do with what you are doing with the things that God has given you. It has to do with your works. How are you living? How are you walking? And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 10. I want you to see this. Ephesians 2 verse 10, listen to how Paul frames this up here. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul says, again, we are God's workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God's prepared beforehand. And now all we have to do is walk in them. So good works here are not a prerequisite of faith. Again, you don't have to do anything good to come to salvation in Christ. However, good works are a result of faith. When you place your faith in Jesus, the fruit of that should be that your life now brings forth good fruit. And I want you to see here the way that Paul frames this up. It's really cool and really clever, actually. So Paul starts and he says, we are God's workmanship, meaning God has worked in us. This word workmanship, it's the Greek word poema. It's where we get the word poem. And it can also be translated masterpiece or work of art. He says, your life and who you are 
Christ has worked in you. Christ has made you a masterpiece. Christ has formed you. You are a work of art that God has made. And this word masterpiece or poema or workmanship, it's used all throughout scripture with reference to God's ongoing creative work. It's not a one-time thing. Our lives and who I am and who you are, it is a result of God's continual working in our lives. It implies ultimately that we are all God's work in progress. God is continuing to work in us. Now at that same time, the purpose of this, the reason God continues to work in my life and the reason God continues to work in your life, we are his workmanship. The reason he works in us, Paul says is for, this is the preposition, is for good works. So do you you notice the parallel here? He says, you are a work of God. God is working in you. There are things that you can't do on your own. God is actively working in your life. And the reason he does that is for good works. Meaning the goal and the purpose and the result of God's working in our lives is that we would continually work out and walk in the good things that God has for us. And again, that requires obedience on my part. God can work in my life and work in your life all you want, but if you just sit back and do nothing with that, you're never gonna grow. He says, we're Christ's workmanship. He's working in us. And from that place, the result of it should be good works that God has prepared beforehand. We walk in those things. So think of it this way. I was trying to think of a metaphor for this. If nobody ever built a gym or purchased a bunch of exercise equipment that you use if you go to the gym, you would not be able to go to the gym and work out, right? Somebody had to first build the gym, buy the equipment, put it all together. And now all you do, the hard work's been done. The gym's been built, the equipment's there. All you have to do is you have to actually go in. You have to go in and put in the work to get the gains and to get the results. So here's the thing in this metaphor, God already did the good work of creating and building the spiritual gymnasium for our lives. And it is completely equipped and ready to go for use. We're his workmanship. He's already worked it. He's already built the gym. Now the question is, what are we doing with the things that he's already worked in us? He's fully equipped the spiritual gym with the Peloton of prayer, if you would. It's fully equipped. That's a tool ready for you to use if you wanna do it. God's already put it in you. You just have to tap into it. We got the bench press of the Bible. You wanna grow spiritually and build some spiritual muscles? Bench the Bible. Get into the scriptures. It's completed with the kettlebells of community. You wanna grow in your discipleship to Jesus? This is a tool in the spiritual gym God has built for you to grow and for your sanctification. We have the squats of the Sabbath. Man, just squat and enjoy some rest on the Sabbath. That's a part of your spiritual formation and a part of your spiritual growth. There's the ab roller of adoration. Just lay back and like adore the person of Jesus. Just be in adoration of how good he is. It will cultivate spiritual growth in your life. We have the elliptical of evangelism. Just hop on that baby and run to the ends of the mountains and go proclaim the gospel. Go make disciples of all nations. We've got the curls of confession. We're all gonna fall short, but there's gonna be a time where you need to make that curl. You're gonna confess. The scripture says, confess your sins to one another. Confess our sins that we might be forgiven. A lot of us have never even done that once. Like just saying, hey, this is an area I'm failing in and I need to confess this and I need prayer. This is a tool in the gym that God's given us so that we may grow spiritually. These are all available to us. We have the leg press of listening, just sitting and listening. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are the things that you have for 
for me, all, all these things. And even at the end of, of your spiritual workout, so to speak, you can get in a good recovery from your spiritual workout with a protein shake of praise, baby. Ooh, I'm telling you. You get the gains from the spiritual gym and at the end of it, you can say, God, this was all you. Thank you. I praise you for the growth in my life. It's not just me. Man, this is you working in me. You've built the spiritual gym. You've given me the tools. It's fully equipped. All we have to do now is train ourselves. So, so, so here's the thing. It, it, it's all ready. You're, you're, you have a free, unlimited, year-round pass 24-7 to the spiritual gym that God has already worked in us. The question is, are we, are we accessing it? Are we using these things that God has given us, these tools that God has given us to train ourselves for godliness? All these things are completely available to us. And what I've seen in my life here in the church culture in the West is that the most common reason that Christians fail to grow the, the main reason Christians stay spiritually stagnant year after year is because of a lack of spiritual discipline and a lack of spiritual training. They've came to faith in Christ and they've just kind of put the car in cruise control. And the gym is right here and God has given us all these tools and we simply just don't access them. We don't walk in the good works that Christ has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And so again, if we don't use uh, the means of grace that God has given us, we will not grow in grace. If you want to grow in grace, again, it's all grace, it's not you. If you want to grow in grace, we have to use the means of grace God's given us. And he said, here they are. It's all available to you. I'm already working it in you. Now just start working it out. So spiritual training, again, this is not antithetical to grace. It's a part of grace. How amazing is it that God has given us all these tools and resources by which we can cultivate spiritual growth and go deeper. He's freely given them to us. It's such a beautiful thing. So Paul, he had a correct balance between grace and training. Again, these are not opposite ideas. They, they actually go together and Paul had a proper understanding of it and understanding that I think needs imparted to our generation. That grace and spiritual training, they're actually meant to go together. They're two sides of the same coin. And here's how Paul said this and spoke of this in 1 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to hear this. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, listen to what Paul says, because both grace and the training are emphasized. Listen, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Isn't that good? Do you see the balance there? Paul says at the end of the day, I am what I am and I am who I am because of God's grace. God is so gracious and has given me so much. And he says, yet I don't want to take God's grace in vain. I don't wanna just put my life in cruise control and assume that something's gonna happen. He says, on the contrary, I've worked harder than everybody else. I'm training spiritually so that God's grace in my life might not be in vain. Do you see that balance? God's grace and, and our working out of obedience to his grace are two sides of the same coin. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, listen to this phrase here. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul says, we, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. 
my salvation, your salvation, our growth and our continual discipleship in Christ, we are to work that out with fear and trembling. But the reason we can do that, he says, is for, it's actually God working in you. God is at work in your life and now we work out the things that God has worked in. This is what's called the human divine combination. God is working in us, pouring in us, giving us abundance of grace. And now the question is, am I living out and walking out the things that God is already pouring in? I don't walk out and work out my my spiritual discipleship on my own. It's not striving. It's not, oh, here's what I have to do to earn God's favor. It's no, wow, God's so gracious. God's working so much in me. And now I'm just simply walking in obedience to that. I'm taking advantage of this beautiful thing called grace that God has given me. I'm walking out the things that God is working in. So here's a question for us. What could you identify that God is already working in your life? What's an area in your life where God is working? God's been pouring into you. God's been challenging you. God's been encouraging you. God's been calling you. What are the things that God is working in your life that you haven't yet started working out? This is a, just a simple way to grow spiritually is, whoa, like God, you've been, you've been convicting me of this. What's the workout? Man, I gotta confess that. God, you, I, I've been sensing, you've been challenging me. I, need, I can't do the Christian life alone. I need to be in community. I've been feeling that. What's the working out of that? God, I, I need brothers and sisters around me. Maybe it's signing up for a story group. God, you've been working in me. I've, I've, just, been, I've just been greedy. I'm just consumed with the love of money. You've been challenging me in that. What's the practical application? Generosity. Work out generosity. Who can I help? Who can I serve? Who can I support? All these things and a million others. And it's gonna look different for everybody. So it's something just to think about this week. What has God already been working in you that you haven't started working out? And, and simply just apply that. Just say, wow, I've been challenged in this. This week, I'm gonna put a spiritual goal for spiritual training. I'm gonna work out what God has already worked in. What are those means of grace that God has already provided for your spiritual growth that you simply aren't taking advantage of? Again, this is something so important. Our growth and our maturity and our discipleship to Jesus, it actually requires us doing the training. It's God who's in his grace working it in us, but we have to work it out in obedience. And the result of this, if you choose to do this, if you notice, wow, God's doing something in me, and if you actually start working that out and walking in obedience to it, here's what the end result is. Here's what will happen in your life. It's called godliness. The result of working out what God is working in is godliness. And this is what, this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy. He says again, he says, train yourselves for godliness. The result is we, we become more like Christ. The result is that we grow and mature in Christ. And apart from spiritual training and discipline, there can be no Christ-likeness. We will not grow in godliness if we are not putting in the work to grow in the things of God by his grace. And so again, the purpose of all these things is that Christ, what he wants for your life and my life, he wants growth. He wants maturity. He wants to conform us into the image of Christ. And this is what happens in our life when we begin to work out the things that God is working in our lives. Godliness is the result of God's spirit changing us through the daily training and perseverance of working out and pursuing the things that God is putting in. Now, I wanna close with this, verse eight too. I love how Paul uses this metaphor here. He says, rather train yourself for godliness. And then in 1 Timothy 4, 8, listen to what he says here. He says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. 
So Paul says, he says, well, physical training, he says, it is of some value. So again, Paul is not against physical training. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think it's a good idea. I think it's wise to train physically and try and stay in shape and keep, keep your body, which is the temple, in shape so that you can have longer life to serve God and walk in obedience to the things of God. But he says, while, while that's of some value, it's good. Hopefully you go to the gym and do some physical exercise. While the benefits of that are, are of some value, he says the benefits of spiritual training, he says these are of eternal value. While the physical gains you may get from hitting a run or going to the gym, while they are temporary, the things of eternal training, when we train in righteousness, he says, these are of value not only in this life, but also in the life to come. And this is just so good, the comparison here. All of your physical exercise that you do, all the gains that you get from that, they are good, but they are temporary. When you hit the grave, all the gains and all the hours you logged in the gym, they're gonna just be left behind with you. I'm pretty sure as far as I know, nobody's gonna be jacked in heaven. Like, dude, yeah, look at the thousands of hours I put in and now it's paying off in heaven. Paul says, no, they're only temporary. But on the contrast, the character that Christ forms in us through, through, through spiritual training, the character that Christ forms in us, it can never be lost. It reaps benefits not only here and now, but he says also for eternity. And so this is the goal of Christian discipleship. It's, it, it is producing spiritual fruit in our lives, both here and now. But he says, man, the, the rewards and the benefits from this, they don't leave with you when you go to the grave. It's actually of eternal benefits. It's of eternal value shaping and conforming your understanding to the things of Christ. It is of eternal value. And so as we each begin this journey, and hopefully this is something this week that you just wherever you're at, you realize, man, I wanna try and step into this a little bit more. But to understand that as we begin this journey of saying, God, like, I wanna do this. I, I wanna train in, in, in the things of godliness. I wanna train in righteousness. I wanna work out the things that you're working in me. And as we begin this journey, we have to understand that for each of us, it starts where we are and as we are. Like your discipleship to Jesus, your spiritual growth, your training in godliness, it just starts right where you're at. There, there is no expectation that you have to be at a certain like spiritual hierarchy place. It just starts exactly where you're at exactly where you're at. You cannot prepare your spiritual training or, or, or think that I have to be like somebody else. There's no comparison in this. Again, spiritual training towards godliness for each person is gonna look different. Just like in the same way, if it's your first day in the gym and you're like, man, I wanna train physically. Your first day in the gym, you're not gonna expect to bench 400 pounds like that dude who's been going for five years, right? You're gonna get in and you're probably gonna start just with just the, 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 the pure bar, like no weights on it. And that might even be difficult, but that's completely okay. Could th this is day one for you. We're not like, oh, I have to be like that guy. Same thing in the church and in our spiritual growth. You don't have to compare yourself to me or to your neighbor or your dad or your parents or your wife. or You don't have to compare yourself to anybody. Just start right where you're at. Say, God, God where am I out in this process? Is this day one for me? I'm starting out? Or am I, am I five years in? Have I been training for each person? It's gonna look a little bit different. But every single step towards of spiritual training, every single yes, every single act of obedience, every single work out of what God's working in, it results and produces in our life spiritual growth and spiritual fruit. So again, I don't want anybody to be discouraged because I know that, I know what can happen is that anyone can be like, well, well, look at this guy. Well, look at this girl. Look, look how mature they are. Look how much they're 
in the word and in prayer and everything. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to do the comparison thing. Your spiritual growth starts right where you're at and Jesus understands and Jesus knows exactly where you're at spiritually. And every small step in the right direction, he honors and he pours more grace on it so that you might continue to grow. So my question in closing for each of us is simply this. What maybe is the next step that, that Jesus is calling you to take? Just, just, just one next step. What might be the one thing that Christ has already been working in you that this week he's saying, hey, I want you to just start working that out this week. Just this week, just try this one thing. Maybe you've had in your heart, man, I, I wanna read the Bible more. Just this week, just, just start there. Don't set like this massive spiritual goal. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna read my Bible for an hour. I'm gonna pray for an hour and I'm gonna start tithing 10% right away. And I'm gonna go like, don't jump all the way in like that. You'll burn out. Just, just take one small step. What, what's the one thing God's already been working in you that he says, by my grace, I've, I've put this in you. I've given this to you. Now, will you walk in obedience to it? Now, will you work it out? And my prayer and hope for each of us, because this is what God has for us, that we would work out our salvation, that we would train spiritually, that we might grow in, in, and have the result of godliness, which has eternal value. This week to just ask the Lord and say, Lord, what's the one thing that just one next step that you're calling me to take so that I may continue to grow and mature in the things of Christ, amen? 